I want to start today where we said we would last week, a new series that we're taking 12 weeks to look at these individual subjects. Each of them are interlinked, but they stand alone. And uh, the next 12 weeks, we're going to be looking at what we've called our family values. And these are the cultural values of family church. They're the things that are important to us as a church family. You can visit different churches. And like I said last week, as long as the main ingredient, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, risen from the dead, Saviour of the world, as long as that's in place, all the other things are just preferences and different flavours and ways of doing things. Now, as a church, we don't have a vision by default or a culture by default. We have a culture by design. We know what we believe God's asked us to do and we're passionate about doing that. So we introduced this last week and uh, had a couple of people come and just thank us that we're taking this moment. They've joined the family church the last few years but wanted to know what made us tick or what we were passionate about. So the next 12 weeks, you're going to hear 12 things that we focus on. We put our time, our energy, our money and our effort into because we believe that they're things that are our cultural values. Every family has values and these are our family values. So I want to look at the first one today and that is that we are Christ-centred. We are Christ-centred. As a church, we are a Christ-centred people. And if you look at the screen behind, uh, I'm not sure if it will come up, but it says we're committed to keeping Jesus and his kingdom at the centre of our lives and his church. And that really is our passion. We're a Christ-centred people. You know, we want to see Jesus in the centre of our lives. We want to see Jesus in the centre of the church. We want to see Jesus always in the centre of all things. Now, this value is not just first in its running order, though it is. It's also, I believe, first in our order of importance as church leadership. But when you go through the different values, some of them are just cultural values that you really could take or leave. Other churches have different ones, but not this one. This one remains the first value. Let Jesus Christ remain the centre of our lives and the centre of his church. Now, our prayer is that everything that we are be found in him. And everything that we build as a people, a community of faith, is built upon him. You know, I'm so thankful today that um, as we honour the Queen, as we did, that her life as a monarch really modelled a Christ-centeredness. It really did. You know, if ever you saw the Queen make a speech, speak at Christmas, you could see that it wasn't token statements, but she saw Christ as her king, and Christ was the centre of her heart. And I believe that had an incredible impact on our nation. And a lot of the fact that we are a Christian nation is built, I believe, because of the stand for her personal Christ um, centeredness in our own world. That inspires me, doesn't it? Doesn't that inspire you? But I want to live a life. I don't just want to be in a church that's Christ centered. I want to live a life that's Christ centered, a life that brings God glory, a life that seeks His will, not my own. That any influence that my life would have would be an influence that led people to Him. That's quite a common term these days, isn't it? If you're an influencer on social media, you know, there's a lot of regard given to people who are influencers. 
Well, we're all influencers, aren't we? And I want the influence of my life to lead people to Jesus Christ. So for us as a church, in saying that Christ-centred is a value, we're saying that Jesus is not an additive. He's not an afterthought. He's not an accompaniment. He's not a bolt-on to anything that we do or endeavour to do, but rather he is centre of everything. I want to read something that I read online recently that really put into words what I wanted to say about being Christ-centred. It said, a Christ-centred or Christocentric, if you want its professional name, or a a Christ-centred or Christocentric life is one that is focused upon a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. At the core of every human decision, there is a motivation. That's true, isn't it? Some people are motivated by the quest for pleasure or money. Some centre their entire lives around a goal, a job, even their families. These things are not wrong in themselves. However, that which we centre our lives on can become the God of our life. That's a great statement. That the things we centre our lives on, not that other things are wrong, but the thing that we centre our life on really does become our Lord and our God. The human heart was designed for worship. And if it does not worship God, it will worship something else. If we are not Christ-centred, we will be centred on something else. Worship is measured by the amount of time, money and emotional energy is expended. Our gods can be defined or identified by the level of passionate commitment they evoke in us. That's the truth. We can say one thing, but that which is the centre of our life is the thing that we pour our life into. And after a while, we begin to resemble what we worship. And that's the plan of God, isn't it? That we would become Christ-like. We talk about them, we think about them, we dream about them, and we scheme to spend more time with them. People who know us best usually know where our deepest passions lie because worship is a hard thing to hide. For us as a church, we don't see worship as something we do together on a Sunday, but we want to live lives of worship that declare Christ is not... um, Christ is not an ideology. Christianity is not a concept or a philosophy. Christ is real, King of kings. He's our Lord and he's our saviour as a community of people, but as individuals. So let me read you a couple of key verses that speak of Christ being central to all things. So then, just as you received, this is Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7. So then, just as you received Jesus as Lord... Continue now to live your lives fully in him, totally rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing always with thankfulness. Isn't that wonderful? And then in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 19, there's another key foundational scripture for our cultural value of being Christ-centered. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, We were once strangers, we were once separated, but God has brought us back to himself. Now we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members now of his household. Then in verse 20 it says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
with Christ Jesus himself, always the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, (coughs) that's us, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives now by his spirit. I love these verses. I love those verses in Ephesians where it says he's the cornerstone. In building, the cornerstone determines the width and the height of what something can be. In the same ways, our width, our success as a church is really built upon the one that we've made our cornerstone. Modern philosophy is not our cornerstone. Christ Jesus is our cornerstone. I feel no obligation to society when it disagrees with God. I feel no obligation to political correctness when it disagrees with the truths that are taught by the cornerstone of our faith, Jesus Christ. I do not believe that all roads lead to God. I believe that one road leads to God and his name is Jesus Christ. Of this, I'm not embarrassed and I'm not ashamed and I will never apologise. But one road leads to salvation with the Father and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Three things quickly I want to share with you or encourage you with today. We believe that Jesus, our cornerstone, the one that we want to be central to all that we are and all that we do, Jesus is unchanging. He's not merely relevant for a moment or a generation, as some are. Things come and go, like waves, there's the fads of fame and success. Yet Christ remains in the centre of all things, before the people come and before they resign or leave. We believe Jesus is unchanging, eternal, never-ending, ever-relevant. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what Hebrews teaches us, isn't it? But he doesn't change. He changeth not. We change into his image as we're transformed by his word and his spirit. But he changeth not. The same Jesus that we worship, obey, follow, is the same Christ that walked the earth 2,000 years ago and was with the Father in the beginning of all time. We don't seek as a church to change or adapt him to fit into society or to appease our desires. We do not feel right in trying to change God. We want God to change us. We do not want to bring God down to be like us. We want to discover the life that he called us to be when we were made in his image and his likeness. As a church, we do not seek to modernise him or make him relevant or acceptable because he's always relevant and he's always acceptable. We look to portray him to a generation desperately in need, a generation that's confused, hopeless, as the one true hope that offers an anchor of security in troubled times. We seek as a church that we would become like him and we wouldn't be caught in modern progressivism that tries to make him like us. Let Christ remain the same. Let our lives be transformed into his image. Amen. Number two, we acknowledge his lordship in our lives and over the church. 
we recognize Christ as our great king. Wherever there's a king, there's a kingdom. What's kingdom? Kingdom is rule and reign. When somebody is a king and they have a kingdom, which we now have a new king, it feels unusual, doesn't it, saying, God save a queen, I have a king, after all these years of saying, God save a queen. But wherever there's a king, there's a kingdom and there's a kingdom reign. We believe that Jesus Christ is our great king and his kingdom reign is the reign that we want in our lives. His kingdom come is what we desire to see in our generation. We have a passion as a church to serve the purpose of God in our generation. I love those words that were spoken of King David. I pray one day when my time comes, somebody will say that about me. But I can't serve the purposes of a generation gone by. I want to tee up success for the generation that follows me of Christ Harry's. But I can passionately, and so can you, together we can serve the purposes of God in our generation. When we call him Lord, that means he's the boss. When we call him Lord, we recognise his lordship, his reign over our hearts and over our lives. And when we call him Lord, we endeavour to do what he asks us to do. There's an interesting statement when Jesus addressed a group of people back in the Gospels where they were obviously all cheering, Lord, 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 Lord. And then Jesus stops and asks this honest question, a question I believe relevant to us today. He said, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. I want to be found doing what he's told me to do and teaching and leading people to walk in obedience to his lordship in their lives. Is this okay? Number three, we believe it is him who causes us to be fruitful and multiply. Any success in our life comes from our union with God. People look at the success we've experienced in family church and they've tried to place that on me. Believe me, Andy Elms isn't that good. Christ is good. Christ is good. Any success we know, any multiplication we have and we will experience is because of the union we have with our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We seek to live connected to him, not seeing ourselves as a people that have a religion about him, but a relationship with him. We seek to live connected, not separated, knowing that our union to him by his spirit is what causes us to stay strong and prosper in our ways, even in troubled times. The best imagery that was ever given of this relationship of unity was actually given by Jesus himself in the book of John. These are my favourite verses. We actually, when we opened the church 25 years ago, opened the church on these verses. I didn't know a lot then. I know a little bit more now, but not that much more, I don't think, in the grand scheme of things. But what I always had an understanding of when I was born again was he was the vine and I was the branch. Some of you won't know that the original name of Family Church was Abide in the Vine Family Church. And then we abbreviated it once when I was putting my rubbish out and my neighbour said to me when he saw my T-shirt, Abide in the Vine, he said, I'm a part of a wine testing club too. (laughs) 
and I thought, that's not really the effect my shirt was meant to have. So it was shortly after that we became Portsmouth Family Church, Haven't Family Church, and Family Church became the name of every location. God sent us the plant. But the revelation of this truth will always be my revelation, my signature revelation. But Jesus says in John 15, remain in me, abide, remain in me, as I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If any verses have been (coughs) guiding verses to my life since I've walked with the Lord 30 years, it's these verses. Because Jesus is saying if you separate yourself as a branch from the vine, your fruitfulness, your multiplication will be affected. Not momentarily, but longer term, absolute. But the good news is if we don't separate ourselves from the vine, the same life that's in the vine is the life that the branch can know. And it's the life within the vine that causes the branch to bear fruit. You see, in our flesh, in ourselves, there's no good thing. But in our union with God, living lives that are yielded to his spirit, now living in us. God, you see, could do anything with any one of us. Isn't that wonderful? If you would have said to me 35 years ago when I was selling fruit and vegetables... (laughs) on Cosham High Street with my father that I would have had the privilege to do the things that he's enabled me to do so far and dream the things he's going to do I would have been the first to laugh but you see God loves to do unusual powerful things with unlikely people the key of success is making sure that your life is joined to him he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise it's about his life When we keep Christ at the centre of who we are and what we do, we set ourselves up for success. Only in separating yourself from a Christ-centredness will you set yourself up to fail. He is where we draw our life, amen? He is where we draw our inspiration, our ability and our direction. I would love to claim ownership of some of the great ideas of our past years but to be honest I got them from him in prayer there was a thought a dream a direction and then I brought it and we did it and God blessed it being Christ-centered means four things to me number one he is our source from everything even our righteousness our life our strength our peace our comfort our faith. Christ is our source. It means he's our motive. He's the reason we do what we do. And indeed the reason we don't quit when we feel like quitting. How can you quit when you have such a great motive called Christ Jesus? He's our goal and he's our hope. I believe Christ our hope is very significant in these Hopeless days that seem to be in the natural environment that surrounds us. Christ in the midst remains our hope, not just in this life, but the one to come. There's two results of being Christ-centered in your living that I believe are very important to understand. Number one, 
Christ-centered living changes our attitude towards circumstances and things that are happening around us. Like I said, I do not feel an obligation to go the way that society tells me to go if it disagrees with the way that God has taught me to go. I'll take God's route and God's journey and God's road every day of the week, even if that causes trouble. See, when you make Christ the center of your life, it changes your attitude, your perspective concerning things happening around you. When you live with Christ at the center of your life, you suddenly have a biblical or gospel-centered worldview. Not important. You see, when Christ is the center of your life, your worldview changes. When you see things happening locally, nationally, internationally, it changes your view of what's happening and who's behind what's happening and what the end will be. You also see your circumstances now in the light of eternity and his work in you and in the world as things of the life we know and the one to come. My heart is driven by a consciousness of this life is just a field where I'm to sow my life for the harvest that will come in the life that follows. We need to understand that the Bible, Christ, gives us an understanding of life beyond the grave, hope beyond the grave. Why can we have a confidence that the Queen stands before the great King of Kings today? Simple, two things. Number one, she clearly and publicly placed her faith in Christ. And that's all that's needed for a person to pass from separation to salvation. But also we know that Christ himself rose from the dead. I love to preach the cross. I love to preach the burial, the death, the crucifixion of Christ. But in many ways, all those things would be pointless if there was no resurrection. Because the resurrection of Christ was the validation of what Jesus came to achieve was fully accomplished. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was the invoice from heaven to us to know that if we place faith in Christ, we will also. So when we look at Christianity, Christ-centeredness, we see our circumstances in the light of eternity. We look at things differently. This sort of outlook allows us to move from the human-centered worldview that cries out, God, why me? It's all about me. To suddenly crying, God, how would you choose to use me? And how can my life glorify you and your kingdom? The second thing that I believe it causes us to understand and have a new reaction concerning is that Christ-centered living delivers us from the opinions of others. The more Christ means to you, the less other opinions matter. I'm so excited that this week, tomorrow, we're welcoming our students to our brand new ministry school, the Forge Ministry School. And we were going to be starting it next Monday. Yeah, give a round of applause. Pastor Stewart's been busy. This year, we have 12 or 13 students. Next year, 40 or 50. The year after, 100, 200. Jesus said, go and make disciples, not get people to become converts. Come on, this is going to be exciting, and it starts tomorrow. 
We were due to start next Monday, but for obvious reasons, we're moving that to Tuesday as the bank holiday comes in, as we celebrate the life of uh, Queen Elizabeth II next week. But I'm excited about that first part of Forge Bible School. I said to Pastor Stuart when he was organising it, give me the first 16 or 17 sessions, give them to me. I want to teach people who they are in Christ so that the other opinions of the world no longer matter. I want to get people so in Christ they don't even recognise their own lives because that's forging. First you reshape the steel, then you fashion it for purpose. I'm excited that this journey starts for us as a church. We have our ministry school starting this week. But when you live Christ-centred, suddenly the other voices, the opinions philosophies they suddenly become silent as your attention is drawn and driven by the author of life and the giver of truth you see Jesus is the way the truth and he's the life and we at family church will never make him a bolt-on in our worship and in our serving and our giving and in our doing May Christ be the centre, always. So our desire and prayer is that Jesus be the centre of it all would be more than a song. For those who have been around a few years in Christianity, you know we had an epic hit in our worship charts a while ago and we all stood and sung, Jesus be the centre of it all. We want to sing that, but we want to live that. Let him be the centre of our lives. Let him be the centre of our homes. Let him be the centre of our decisions. Let him be the centre of his church. And as I close, let me encourage you with something that Luke said in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28. He said, in him, that's Christ, (coughs) we live, we move, and we have our being. Can we get the worship team up? I want to end in worship today, if that's okay. And then, as the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, verse 11, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. We take time today and have taken time to honour our Queen, who was indeed Christ-centred and who focused the nation on being so. We also now want to continue that legacy as we lead the church into what God has for it next. Don't be confused, an era has ended and a new era has begun. My prayer is that Christ would be seen, that Christ would be known and the Lordship of Christ would sweep the shores of our land. Not religion, that's done enough damage. Christ, Jesus Christ, risen King, Lord of all, eternal King forever. Just as we get ready to go into worship again, as we close, it's been a good morning, hey? Meaningful. Sorry if it was a little bit more sombre. My heart has just, I was shocked by how sad my heart has been. Um, And I believe on our nation, there's a respectful time of mourning. It's right fitting the lady that she was. But my joy is the King of Kings is still very much alive. And he's seated on the throne. No one can dethrone him. And he welcomes everyone into relationship with himself. 
maybe you're here today. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you once walked with the Lord. Maybe you've never known God. Maybe you've never wanted to know God. Often when I speak to people that say they don't believe in God, it's because they've had a bad experience of religion, not of Him. I want to challenge you today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, one prayer could change everything. One prayer. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. One prayer. Let's pray this together as a church, if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your only beloved Son to die on a cross for our sin and to end our separation. Everyone who believes in him is saved with an eternal salvation. I believe in you, Jesus. I bring my life under your rule and reign. Help me to make sense of this life according to how you designed for it to be. Fill me, Holy Spirit, with your power and presence. Today, Jesus, I give this life to you. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. Just in this closing moment, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to say, I did it. We're not going to embarrass anyone. We're just going to give you an opportunity to say, yes, I prayed that prayer. As I count to three, if you prayed that prayer today because you've been away from God or you've never known God and today you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I prayed that prayer for me, Andy. I prayed that prayer for me today. I want to say when I count to three, lift your hand nice and bold just to acknowledge that that's happened in your world today. One, two, three. Is there anyone today? God bless you, I see that hand. God bless you, I see that second hand. Is there a third person today? God bless you, I see that third hand. Come on, is there a fourth person today? that's saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. God bless you, I see this hand today. Is there a fifth person and you say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Ain't nothing going to stop me. Nothing else has made sense. I want God to make sense of my life. I want Him to give me purpose. I want Him to cause me to dream. Is there anyone else? Is there a number five today? And you say, me too, Andy. Me too. Father, we pray for these four people today. And we pray... Holy Spirit, fill their lives. Let their world open up bigger than they ever imagined as you come and fill it, Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, is anybody happy about that? Come on. Well done to those that lifted your hands. Well done. Best decision of your life. Everything changes now. Praise God. If you lifted your hand, if you would allow my team at the back, led by Pastor Sean, to have just two minutes of your time. They want to give you a Bible. They want to see if you've got any questions. We want to help you take your next step. Come on, let's jump up to our feet. Let's go out worshipping the King of Kings. He's worthy. He's the Saviour of the world. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Redeemer of humanity.